Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be discussing Kentucky basketball's draw in the upcoming NCAA tournament. Wildcats earn, as predicted, a six-seed in March Madness. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube live with us right now, really appreciate you uh, tuning in today. We're going to have the tournament challenge. I'm going to drop a link to it on the show today, so make sure you are uh, joining us, I guess I would say. For that, like you guys asked, I said, hey, would you like to do an NCAA tournament challenge on ESPN? Most of you said yes, so therefore, we're going to do it. I'm going to drop it in the links in the description. I'm going to drop it in the live chat. Going to drop it if you're listening on podcast as well, uh, so you can find it there. Going to try and get as many people joining in that group as possible. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So, as I mentioned, the Kentucky Wildcats are a six seed in the NCAA tournament. Some people may thought or thought they might fall to seven. Uh, the seven line, Michigan State, Northwestern, Missouri, and Texas A&M ended up being the seven seeds there. Um, I know a lot of other people are going to say this, but I'll say it too. The fact that Texas A- Texas A&M is a seven seed uh, in this tournament is criminal. That's ridiculous. Full stop. That's all I'm going to say about the Aggies, though. As for the Wildcats, they are facing off against Providence, the 11th seed in the East region. We thought uh, on Lockdown Kentucky that maybe Kentucky would get an interesting draw as a 6th seed and they would end up playing a 3 seed that they could probably beat. And I was really gunning for getting UCLA potentially in uh, that Sweet 16 or that Elite 8 matchup. I'm, I'm not quite sure which. But the Wildcats are going to be in a really interesting region, a very difficult one uh, at that, including teams like Duke, Tennessee, Kansas State, Michigan State, Marquette, Purdue. It's a really, really loaded uh, region of the bracket. So let's go ahead and dive into it. The individual matchup for the Kentucky Wildcats, again, like I mentioned, the Providence Friars. If you do not know about Providence and Ed Coach Ed Cooley, the interesting storyline here. I think has to do with their star player. We've talked about him. Actually, we had half a show dedicated to him uh, about a month and a half or so ago. The leader in points per game for the Providence Friars, the most dominant uh, ball handler for them when it comes to uh, percentage of possessions used and percentage of possessions where they take a shot, that would be six foot seven forward Bryce Hopkins. If you don't remember Bryce Hopkins, he was a player off the bench for Kentucky Wildcats just a season ago. It's interesting how narratives sort of form in March. I know that rivalries kind of are created uh, through the NCAA tournament, and then sometimes it feels like the field and the people creating the field get these teams together uh, in certain matchups where you can create a storyline, you can create a narrative, you can say these two teams are blue bloods, this, that, and the other. Kentucky could have ended up potentially getting an 11 seed like Arizona State or maybe NC State or maybe Pittsburgh. But they decided, the NCAA Tournament Committee did, 
to go with Providence, who happens to have a former Kentucky player leading the way. That's a fun storyline in and of itself. But when you dive past that and you look at what this Providence team has done this season, I think it's a little bit more interesting. I think it's a little bit more interesting. Last year, what did we say about St. Peter's heading into that matchup? Oh, they're short. They don't play particularly fast. They're one of the slowest teams in this, that, and the other. They don't play great defense, but that's probably their strength. They're efficient, but they haven't played anybody. Not really concerned. Let's just move past them. And then Kentucky lost. You look at Providence. They're short. They're very close to the bottom nationally in height and average height per player. They're six foot seven four. Bryce Hopkins. He is one of the tallest players in this rotation. And talking about this rotation, they don't have a player over six foot eight that they really use. And it's one of the shortest rotations in all of college basketball in terms of bench minutes. They don't play a lot of guys. Sounds familiar, right? Kentucky, so far, later in the year, has not really had a rotation to speak of. That's why I believe it was the primary reason they lost to Vanderbilt. They don't have enough players out there. They don't have the quality depth to really compete in a one-and-done style environment if things aren't clicking, certain things aren't clicking uh, in, in their direction. Bryce Hopkins is going to be, along with Devin Carter, they are going to be the two guys to look out for in this game. I believe, in case you didn't, in case you didn't know, Devin Carter transferred in from South Carolina. Noah Locke also, if I'm not mistaken, actually transferred in from Florida. Let me check that. Yeah, he played at Florida for three years, played at Louisville for one. And then did, did Jared, Bynum, Jared Bynum play here last year? Yeah, he's played here for three years, and he played at St. Joseph. So, yeah, their core, which is a very tight one at that, uh, a majority of these players are transfers, which is really interesting. Interesting what the transfer portal has done for college basketball and allowing some of these smaller schools, and I'm not knocking on Providence. They're a great, they're a great program um, to kind of boost their overall talent level. You look at what the Friars were doing late. They lost four out of their last five. Their only win came against Georgetown, who is just simply not a good basketball team. They lost to UConn twice. They lost to Xavier uh, in a close game. They lost to Seton Hall. Uh, overall, this team comes into the tournament, tournament kind of sliding. But again, to go back to what we said about St. Peter's, you can't ever count any of these teams out. Straight up. I mean, there are so many different things that we could pick at to say, oh, Providence is not good at this. Providence is not good at that. I don't really think it matters. I mean, you can analyze the game for sure. Absolutely. You can analyze the matchup. But at the end of the day, I think these teams are playing with a little bit more desperation, a little bit more of a serious tone. They may be in position to do certain things that they don't normally do. They don't typically do. Providence is one of the more efficient offenses in all of college basketball. They're top 20 nationally. Let's get one thing very clear. Kentucky rebounds the ball well. Providence rebounds the ball well. They're top 20 as well in offensive rebound percentage. This team is solid. They shoot the three ball well. They shoot inside the arc well. They shoot very well from the foul line. Uh, Again, because they're short, they get blocked quite a bit. Uh, But they don't turn it over. I mean, they're just a solid team in that department. And then defensively, they don't really allow teams to get to the foul line. But a decent chunk of an opponent of the opponent's free throws, and uh, or excuse me, a decent chunk of the the opponent's perimeter or inside interior uh, points is what really does Providence in at times. Free throws, though, only sixteen percent of an opponent's points come from the foul line uh, against Providence. So that may be something interesting to watch. There, they do allow quite a bit inside. I mean, I'm, I'm looking more and more at the numbers right now. They just they just don't protect the paint 
like at an elite level. So that could end up being something that we discussed in the preview episode. But I, I want to present this, this 11 seed to you and just make something clear. I think that Kentucky in this region, which we're about to discuss, I think that they can make a run. I'm going to explain why in a second. But on the whole, as a team, this team is hot and cold. We talked about it in the last episode. This Kentucky Wildcats team, not the program, this team is unpredictable. And we should accept that. They're hot and they're cold. They're up and down. Do we get the up version of Kentucky or do we get the down version of Kentucky against Providence? They can win this game. I said it on Twitter. They can also lose this game by 15. It's going to be a tough one. Before I explain why I think Kentucky can kind of get through this East region, which is very, very difficult, uh, I, I want to kind of explain my thoughts on, on why these individual matchups may be interesting. I want to tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. We are now past the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, and that's America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000, and that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. All you have to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. You can also have player points. You can have rebounds, assists, steals, as props as well. So many more exclusive bets on top of that. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So, don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, continuing along here on what is the Sunday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Really appreciate everybody in chat on YouTube. If you're listening on podcasts, please review the show. It's the best time of the year, guys. If you're going to hop on the train, Right now is the time to do it. There's no reason you shouldn't be subbed if you're watching or listening right now. It's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure you stick around. Also, if you've not liked the video already, please go ahead and do so. Actually, now that I remember it, I'm going to drop a link to the Locked On Kentucky ESPN Bracket Challenge in the live chat. I don't know if this link's actually going to work or if it's going to allow me. Actually, it's not going to even allow me to do it because it's too big of a link. Wow. Wow. Uh, shout out, uh, shout out uh, ESPN for that massive, uh, massive link there. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drop it in the description. I just saved that. So if you guys want to refresh the page and then and then click that link, you can absolutely do that. Any questions in the chat that I want to get to? Cal about to get a revenge on Hopkins. I don't necessarily know if it's revenge. I'm actually kind of conflicted about Hopkins. Didn't think he was a bad kid. Obviously has the the potential uh, to really to really uh, explode here. Isaac also asked, how do I feel about the Providence matchup? Again, this team could win by by 10. They could lose by 15. Michael Bell says, how in the world did we get a better seed than Texas A&M? I don't get that. I don't either. Makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, Just what happens in December, I guess, is just all the committee looks at. Uh, Back-to-back years, Texas A&M got uh, ripped. Not making it last year was a crime. Completely agree with that. Uh, Z-Ramp. Uh, Andrew says we had a better seed than AM because we beat Tennessee twice. Also beat AM. I don't necessarily know if it's the head to head, but I mean, you, Andrew, you look at their resume compared to some of the other seven seeds. You look at what they're doing as opposed to maybe the sixes or the fives. I mean, they could have slid all the way up to the five line. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that what they did the, to the Aggies was ridiculous. Uh, Vandy plays five guards and won twice in nine days, and they didn't make the tournament, which is very odd to me. Uh, that they were playing so well uh, late and they just weren't able to make it. Of course, 
like I said a second ago, apparently the NCAA tournament committee uh, is weighing uh, heavily some of those quadrant three and four losses. And on top of that, they're probably weighing the fact that this team didn't play a complete year of basketball. To be fair, neither did a lot of teams in the NCAA tournament. I, I, I guess that's just the way it is, though. I predict Kentucky surprises us and shines against Providence. There is a world, and I hate to say this, and people think that I'm predicting this is not a prediction segment, that can, uh, the, whenever I'm about to get into this, this, uh, this potential draw here for Kentucky, there is a world where Providence can't protect the rim and Shebway scores 30. That could potentially happen. Or Shebway could go 2 for 13 and Kentucky could lose by a significant margin. Z-Ran also says, don't sleep on Oral Roberts versus Duke. Absolutely not. I am so thankful, so thankful that we do not have to play Oral Roberts uh, in in this NCAA tournament. Pause for a choice liquid here. No, it's not alcohol. It's apple juice. Dead serious. Yes, I'm five. All right, so let's look at this region here uh, for the Kentucky Wildcats. Like I mentioned, they're going to be playing in the East region, which if you're looking on the uh, men's tournament challenge on ESPN, that is the bottom left uh, region of the bracket. I believe that's actually just the same for everything. Maybe I'm stupid. Purdue is the number one seed in this region. They were actually the worst number one seed. I say worst. That gives it a negative connotation. They're one of the four best teams in college basketball, according to the tournament committee. They'll be playing either Texas Southern or uh, FDU, uh, Farley Dixon, Dickinson, which is actually, according to Kim Palm, the worst team uh, in the uh, tournament this year. If they beat Texas Southern, who has a negative record, by the way, they're 14 and 20. Uh, I think that'd be pretty funny how that game could turn out. Memphis and FAU are the eight and nine seeds. Would not want to touch FAU with a 20-foot stick. Uh, wouldn't want to get near them at all. Actually, wouldn't want to get near Memphis at all. That is a uh, that's a really interesting pull for Purdue. Whoever wins that game, uh, the, the Tigers or the Owls, uh, that should be, whew, this is a fun region. I'm just looking up and down this region. This, this is a fun region. You've got Duke as the five seed, which if you don't know, Duke won the ACC tournament and they're playing really good basketball right now, facing off against Oral Roberts, who has one of the better scorers in the entire country in Max Acemas. Uh, and an Oral Roberts team that is, I believe, won like 18 straight now, 17 straight. I mean, they are just on fire. Uh, played really well in the tournament just a couple of seasons ago. Tennessee is the fourth seed in this region facing off against Louisiana. I know an upset pick is probably going to be really popular here for a lot of folks because Tennessee, like we've mentioned recently on the show, is without guard Sakai Ziegler. I'm not saying just because I mentioned it on the show doesn't mean it doesn't give it any significance. I'm just pointing it out. But the, the Raging Cajuns should have an opportunity to maybe steal one there. I haven't looked at Louisiana. I don't know anything about them other than the fact that they beat South Alabama in the Sun Belt title. Um, and they were the over, I believe they were the overall seed. Maybe wrong on that. Uh, like I mentioned, like we've been talking about, uh, number six, Kentucky versus number seven, or number 11, Providence. You've got Kansas State as the three seed versus Montana State as the 14. I don't know anything about Montana State. I do know Kansas State is a very intriguing uh, team. They have been all season long. Uh, one of those teams in the Big 12 that I believe, actually, if I'm not mistaken, finished like second or third. Uh, they play really, really solid defense. Uh, they're very, very, very short. Um, so that would be, I would argue, a good matchup for Kentucky. I'm going to really flesh this out in a second. You've got Michigan State and USC as the 7 and 10 seeds, respectively. Then Marquette, the 2 seed, facing off against Vermont. So that is the East region of the bracket. And like Z-Rant just said in the chat, at 7 o'clock Friday on CBS, that is when 
Kentucky will be playing Providence. So let's talk about the draw now, finally. Providence, like we've talked about, is a, an interesting team. They are pretty efficient offensively, actually pretty dang efficient offensively. Shorter, Kentucky could take advantage of that. I'm not quite sure what the pacing in this game looks like. Going to have to dive a little bit deeper into what Providence does on that side of the ball. Overall, though, this doesn't really feel like a team that makes a lot of mistakes. They're a short rotation, very similar to Kentucky um, in a lot of different ways, actually. Whether or not the Wildcats take that one, I think it's truly up in the air. Kentucky right now, according to Kim Palm, is favored to win that game by two. They've got a 57% chance to win that one uh, against the uh, against the Friars. Uh, I think that's about where it needs to be, 57 55%. I think that's fair uh, for Kentucky. If they win that game, and again, this is not a prediction, prediction segment, we will do predictions either tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday. Just got to decide when what, what day I want to sit down with you guys and walk through the bracket. If Kentucky wins that game, they will face off against either Kansas State or Montana State. Just for funsies here, I'm going to say they face off against Kansas State. All right? I'm just going to project that. Like I mentioned, Kansas State, on paper, looks like an interesting matchup for Kentucky. Like I said, they're fast-paced, but they are short. They're one of the shortest teams in all of college basketball. They have no bench. They're actually even shorter of a rotation uh, than what Providence has. They've got Desi Sills, Keontae Johnson, two transfers from, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Arkansas and Florida, uh, if I'm correct there. Uh, Marquise Noel, uh, Noel their, their point guard, is five foot eight. Man, it would be funny to see him and F- uh, Severe Wheeler face off against each other. Uh, they lost their last two uh, heading, into, uh, heading into March here. They lost to, by TCU to 13 in the Big 12 tournament game. They lost by eight to West Virginia on the road to wrap up the season. Uh, so... I think they, they they won four straight before that, so don't really want to put a, stock, a whole lot of stock into into that there. But Kansas State, I feel like from a matchup perspective, does provide Kentucky a few different opportunities to maybe attack inside. That would be my early on guess is like, oh, well, if they're shorter and they do this, that, and the other, then Kentucky should do this. They should get to the rim uh, relatively well. Let's say for fun that Michigan State or USC lose to Marquette. If you face off against Marquette and the Sweet 16, this is a little bit more of a difficult matchup. Uh, first of all, Marquette, a little bit more tall. They've got two guards that are really solid, in Ch- uh, Cam Jones and Tyler Kolick. Uh, very efficient offense. Pretty efficient defense as well. According to Ken Palm, they actually have one of the slowest possession lengths in the country on defense and one of the fastest on offense. Uh, so they really make it grind it out uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I'm pretty solid there. Uh, decent steal percentage. Uh, they shoot the ball very well from inside the arc. They don't necessarily run and gun, but in the half court, uh, they do make things happen quickly uh, getting to the rim. They've got a couple of kids that could probably face off against Oscar Sheboy pretty well just based on what I'm looking at, not in terms of a high perspective, but in terms of just overall what they do. They've got a kid that's top 150 in block percentage uh, as well. Facing off against Vermont, though, Marquette is, and that should be a very interesting game because uh, the Catamounts are, are no slouch. They have won 15 games straight heading into this tournament, so that's something to keep an eye on there, especially when you're making your bracket prediction. I'm not saying predict something. I'm just saying it should be interesting. Uh, Isaac says, can you see our brackets? Uh, I think I can once the tournament starts, Isaac, but I don't know if I can after, or excuse me, before um, the, the tournament starts. Potentially. 
Locked on Kentucky, do you think Vandy got screwed not getting to play for a 16th seed spot? Uh, James, I, I don't think that because of the conference that they're in, they could have played for a 16th seed. I think the lowest the committee could have potentially had them was a 12th seed uh, because you give the 13, 14, 15, and 16 seeds to uh, automatic qualifiers, auto bids from these mid-major conferences. Uh, so I do think that they got somewhat screwed because of the way that they were playing basketball late. Um, but at the same time, a 16 seed is probably, I don't think that would have been possible for them. The, the, high, the lowest the committee could have realistically had them was, is 12. Um, and maybe there were a couple other teams in their eyes that they thought were more deserving. O- Oral Roberts, VCU, Drake, and Charleston. I mean, you could have made an argument about Drake, but Drake's an auto bid, if I'm not mistaken. They could have been over Mississippi State or Pittsburgh as one of those 11 seeds. Arizona or Nevada, they could have been over Nevada. Did Nevada win? No, they couldn't have. Boise State won that conference, right? Boise State won the Mountain West in basketball. If I'm not mistaken, am I tripping? Is Boise State in the Mountain West in basketball? I know they're not in football. I know they're not in football. Anywho, out of all the two seats, I think we got the best one, says Firefighter. That's exactly what I was about to say. So it's a little bit of a tougher, a little bit of a tougher challenge. I wanted UCLA because they're, they're without Jalen Clark. But Arizona and Texas, I mean, if you, the fact that you got Marquette as opposed to one of those two, that's great. Perfect. Awesome. On paper, you feel like you're a little bit more comfortable with that. Again, this is not a prediction segment. This is not a prediction segment. Kentucky could lose this game by 40 if they get here. I don't know. They could win it by 100. I don't know. We'll have to get there. See how these two teams are playing. If they do. Who knows? They could lose in the first round as well. But all I'm saying is, if you somehow get to the uh, the uh, Elite Eight, and you're facing off against, at that point, what, what would, in my opinion, either be Purdue, Duke, Memphis, or or, or Roberts, or Florida Atlantic. I mean, honestly, those did, but I would lean towards Purdue. I mean, all five of those teams, though, could realistically make it. I would say it's either Duke or Purdue. We'll save Duke for fun. If you face off against Duke, I mean, that's a classic. You're in the Elite Eight. At that point, if you're playing good basketball, you're playing good basketball. Like I said at the very beginning of the show, I don't really think it matters what you're doing um, in March statistically. I think it, all that matters here is the fact that you're playing cohesively, you're playing with energy, you're playing your brand of basketball, and you just have that momentum and that mental confidence. Like I've said, Kentucky is inconsistent. So whether or not they get deep into this, this, this field is definitely up for, for question. But if they do, and they get to this point, question where the mental toughness is. Question where the mental confidence is. Question where the health is as well. I mean, that's also part of March. Kentucky's got to get healthy. Severe Wheeler, if he does come back at this point, do we see him come back? I don't know. Uh, At this point, if Severe Wheeler comes back, I mean, that that, that could be great for your rotation. Getting C.J. Frederick, Cason Wallace, both those guys healthy and shooting well is important. Do you think Kentucky will have the time to heal and get healthy so fast that they compete compete 110% in the NCAA tournament, says Izix. I don't know if they'll get 100% before because I don't know the status of Severe Wheeler other than the fact that he's kind of been practicing-ish. Not really, though. Um, so I don't know if they can get to 110, but they've got time to make sure that Case and Wallace is good. They've got a few days here, five days, says James Perry. If Bynum wakes up, good night, Tucky. Yeah, Bynum's good. Bynum is solid. Jerry Bottom solid. Kansas State scares me. They beat Baylor, Kansas, and Texas. That is also true. 
At the same time, Lori last year, Kentucky beat North Carolina and Texas, or yeah, North Carolina and Kansas rather, uh, two teams that faced off in the national title, and we know how that went. Again, it, it's it's so. I I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. But a sobering thought here. What did we say after, what did I say on the show after Kentucky lost in the NCAA tournament last year, a month or so after it happened, people were still upset, rightfully, rightfully so, rightfully so, geez. And there was a lot of commotion over not getting a deep tournament run, right? I think it is so difficult to win in March that it's difficult to define the success of an individual season based on how far a team gets in the tournament. As a collective, as a program, you can begin to define what they are by if they don't if they don't ever do it or if they have a drought like Kentucky has. I think there's both sides of this coin. An individual team, though, I don't think their success is truly defined by that. You have to look at what they did in the regular season. Kentucky had some decent success late in the regular season, right? But as a whole, this team almost was kind of lost in the fan base's eye. There was at one point where Kentucky was 10-6, and and things just kind of fell apart. Again, I hate to be that guy, but if Kentucky doesn't make the Elite Eight, if they make the Sweet 16 with this 21-10 season, I mean, what does the fan base do? Do they melt down? Do they say Cal can't make it? Or do we acknowledge the fact that, hey, this was kind of an eh year. And the fact that Kentucky made the Sweet 16 was almost overachieving based on the perception that could have been halfway through the season. So it's just food for thought. Again, I don't want to be that guy and just say, well, it doesn't matter what happens. And if they do, if they lose, then who cares? I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm just saying there is a realistic expectation that Kentucky loses. And some of you in the chat have already suggested such. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but also let's try and be optimistic as fans. How about Jacob Toppin and his injury? Because apparently he only practiced one day last week, right? And he didn't look phenomenal uh, against Vanderbilt, at least not not the entire game. If he can get healthy, that's also a question there. Zerant says, three early keys to the game against Providence. I think it's going to be scoring inside. It's going to be stopping uh, not necessarily, whenever I say stopping, I don't mean shutting down. I mean just kind of limiting them and making sure that they don't go off. Limiting the two most dominant scores on Providence's team, Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter. If you can kind of limit them and you can score inside yourself and then at the same time, at the, at the same time, win the rebounding battle. In games, Kentucky has dominated the boards this season outside against the game against Vanderbilt. It allows you more opportunities and more possessions. Try and win that battle against a team that is similarly uh, strong in that statistical category. Rebounding, limiting the two stars, and scoring at the rim. Finishing at the rim, I think, are going to be really important for Kentucky in this one. Let's see. Realistically, how far do you see us slash UK going? I'm going to do my prediction later on this week because I've only been looking at the bracket for, what, two hours now? Uh, just kind of soaking it in, kind of get my thoughts. I've not run through a bracket yet. I'm sure that we will. Realistic, I think the realistic expectation is if Kentucky beats Providence and they play good against Kansas State, 
and they lose. That's kind of my my where where my mind sits at as far as what the odds will say, what my gut says. It's just kind of it, it's just kind of if they make it there, anything past that is is you know roses and rainbows for me. I think. Let's see. Danny Collins, the problem is the perception coming into the season was so high, especially after the Bahamas trip, it sort of feels like a letdown so far. It does, and you're right. It is the preseason expectation set on set on us, uh, set on the team. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like there is there is reason to blame certain certain aspects of this program uh, over the fact that they did not achieve those expectations because there was a lot of excitement about where this team was going to go. Part of it was just the fan base overhyping it, though. You're right. Uh, by the way, Reed Shepard is insane at facilitating a defense. I'm excited to see what Shepard does. He's the lowest rated player of this class. Probably going to have a lot of uh, conversation about, you know, what will this rotation be like next year after this NCAA tournament? Going to have a lot of fun talking about that in the offseason. There are so many different ways that we can look at what next season's team could do. But focusing back here to kind of wrap things up, Firefighter says, I've never seen a tournament where it's so wide open and anyone can win. And he's absolutely right. Alabama's the number one overall seed, but Alabama's not invincible. Now, they're a darn good basketball team. They're a solid basketball team. Anyone could win it, though. I think that you could realistically see a team just shooting well and (laughs) making a run to the Final Four that's like an eight-seater. It feels like one of those years where something that statistically doesn't happen often happens, like a nine seed making the, the, the national title, like a six seed making the national title. Uh, it feels like one of those years where just something random happens and you're left kind of wondering, man, how did we get this four and this eight facing off the national championship? I mean, what, what, what do they do in the be- at the beginning of the season, throughout the season, to really give us the implication that they were going to be able to get here? Like if we see, I don't know, like UConn and Kentucky – face off or like UConn and Memphis or UConn and, and somebody, somebody ridiculous like Baylor or Arizona. It's like, man, this is a weird, this is a weird matchup. It feels like one of those seasons where Alabama runs into somebody that just all of a sudden has a really solid game. Can Houston, Houston could get taken out by the way, in the, in the uh, beginning of the Midwest region because they play Northern Kentucky. They win that game. Auburn could potentially be their se- their second round matchup, and that game's in Birmingham. That's an hour and a half away from where Auburn is, so that's almost going to be a home game for Auburn in the round of thirty two. You could see Houston losing that game, absolutely, in just a really weird way. You talk about nine seeds. Hey, there's one. So wild, so wild. What this tournament could be: Colgate versus Iona for the championship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely, Def. Absolutely, uh, Z Ramp says what I kind of want to wrap the show up on. Uh, I could see us win the title. I could also see us lose to Providence. Uh, yes. Yes. That's that's my final thought on today's show. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. Make sure you're follow, following us there. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. Like this video, by the way, if you have not already. It's right there. Just a quick thumbs up. Uh, I am begging this episode. I know no, normally I don't. Uh, please like the video. And then also, I've got the NCAA Tournament Challenge for ESPN. The link is in the description to this episode. Join the squad. Join us up. 
I don't think there's going to be a prize. I'll shout you out. I'll think maybe about doing a prize for it uh, if I can come up with something. Also, if you're listening on podcast, please leave a review and make sure you click that link. Go join us on ESPN. Go join, fill out a bracket. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, that's going to do it for today's episode. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Questions, comments, concerns, leave in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your night, and God bless.